Welcome to yet another fine episode. I mean, I suppose fine is yet to be determined. <laughs> Maybe it's a crap episode of The Cultured Guitarist. My name is Alrighty Then Al. With me as ever is Assistant Coach Casper. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Jump Jiving John from Heavy Repping on the mic. <laughs> Good Welcome evening. to the show, man. Good evening indeed, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. We're not actually evening here. Our no. friend, uh, in case you hadn't noticed, is in the UK. It's actually noon here. Right? Yeah, just after. So, good evening to you. Thank you. Good afternoon to you. <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> we got to stop oh. interviewing people in the future. It's, I know. It's messing me up. <laughs> These time zone changes are, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Uh, right What's it like living eight hours in the future, John? <laughs> what happens tonight? It's about the same. <laughs> Am I still handsome? More disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that doesn't bode well. No, no. <laughs> right on. All right I'm on. just keeping it, keeping it real over this end, yeah. <laughs> keeping it on. I don't want it real, okay? We, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're living through COVID times. I don't want reality anymore. I'll, I'll take the fantasy, sir. <laughs> uh, well let's kick it off the usual method let's 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 figure out what we've been up to well you know let's break the ice <laughs> Casper, i don't know what your face is saying to me right now man uh, my um, um i'm waiting you're waiting for like to see if you're throwing me under the bus first or if john's gonna go or like i it's a never i never know how would i go first you, go first. you go first hey al what have you been up to this week music and or guitar wise <laughs> Well, the long hunt is over for me. Ah. I finally found uh, a good deal on a used Boss Katana. Yes, you did. So I pulled the trigger. I uh, drove off to get it la the night before last night. When did I go? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Yeah, I think so. I went on a little road trip to our neighboring city of Kamloops and uh, picked it up from a super nice guy who told me he was upgrading to a Black Star 5-watt tube amp. Which I'm not sure is an upgrade so much as a. It's a. That's more of a left trading move. Yeah, it's kind of a lateral <laughs> move. Just yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> whatever. He 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 wanted a tube amp, and so you know he's happy, and and he sold the katana for an actually really fair price, it's, which yeah. was I was happy about. So it was one of those deals where it was like I'm I don't even want to haggle him on the price. I just want to say thank you, sir. Um, and uh, off on my merry way. Yeah, like I don't think it was a. You didn't steal it from him, you know? No, I didn't steal uh, it from him. Like, here, I don't, what is it, in, here in Canada, like 360 for a Katana three, Mark 50? 349, something like that. Yeah. The, the Mark, Mark 250. 250 yeah. Yep. Brand new. So. Oh, the Mark II. Nice. Yeah. They're yeah. good amps, man. Yeah, yeah. I really like them. And, uh, I've got one. I kept seeing uh, Mark 1s used, and people were asking 300 bucks for them every single time. Like, 300 bucks, 280, 300 bucks. And that's just not worth it when you can get a brand new Mark II for not much more. So yeah. I was I was waiting for uh, a deal like this to come along, and it came along, and he even included a two-button foot switch. Like the FS? Uh, it's the one? A, no, it's not the Boss brand of oh. ones. It's, a, but it's, it's the one works. you like. It, it works with the amp. He, he showed, sent me a little video of it because we were being, uh, you know, we are observing COVID safety protocols and such. Um, so, Yeah. So I, I paid $220 Canadian for it with the two-button foot switch, and uh, that's a satisfactory deal for me. You know? Didn't rob him. He didn't uh, rip me off. I think it's fair. 
that's a win-win, right? Yep. That's what you're looking for. So I got an amp. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yay. I'm push nice. the button. I'll push the button. Don't you dare push the stupid canned applause button on that mixer. So yeah, I, I did that. Uh otherwise, uh we already talked we already let the cat out of the bag on the future guitar builds we're doing. Kind of. Kind of. Other than that, so I, I did some uh tweaking on uh some of the stuff coming down the pipe for that. Oh, man, the, the updates that I've received. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Oh, we can actually really crack into this yeah, and yeah. get into that. But uh, these are going to be some fun builds. I'm looking forward to doing it. Yeah, me too. Rare opportunity and uh, privilege. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, anyway, what have you been up to this week, guitar and or music related? John. <laughs> Well, it's funny you should say, gentlemen. Uh, guitar and music related. Uh, obviously, my shop launched uh, last Monday. Yeah, now's the um, time for that canned applause. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Man. I'm not allowed to. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, uh, Al slap. Many, many thanks. It's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a, quite an undertaking, but we've done it. So that's a big plus. There's, you know, 12 guys up on there just now. Uh, and a bunch more to come, which I I shan't reveal until they've done their paperwork. But um, yeah, we've got a bunch more guys joining us in April. So that's pretty cool. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a bit. But on a, on a related note, from my own guitar perspective, I've got my, uh, I've got a new build happening of one of the Odessas that I use. Uh, I've got two Odessas from Mike, uh, who's a builder in the UK just now and he is currently finishing up my third which is a kind of junior style single p90 job um because i play in lots of weird tunings and stuff so i need something that's in standard actual normal tuning just in case i play with other people and uh that, is, that is on its way <laughs> yeah it's weird playing in standard i've been playing in like dadgad and open d and stuff for the last couple of years and a standard and uh, this weird kind of low open G tuning, so but that's because I play on my own, so I don't have to think about other people. Well, I admire the commitment of like, I gotta play guitar in standard. I better get a new guitar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a move <laughs> that I <laughs> respect, sir. <laughs> respect. Well, if you're gonna do it, you gotta go ham. Like I've <laughs> yeah. got a strat, but it's in my strat's in new standard tuning, which is uh, if anybody's wondering what it's like to play in new standard tuning, it's it's like playing in a tuning where everything you know doesn't work. <laughs> um, and if you if you then try if you you know when you're you know when you're kind of messing around with your pals and you're at a rehearsal or whatever and you just if you everyone remembers what it's like being in a group rehearsal and you chuck your um, you chuck your hands on the board as a joke in new standard tuning that's a chord like an actual working <laughs> chord. So it's uh, yeah, but it, it's cool though. I I quite like it. But yeah, that's my, that's my, oh, and I rebuilt my pedal board again. So it's cool. got so like slightly less stuff like on it. like a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a whole, it's a whole day. It's getting that real estate thing right, you know? Yep. When you've got like mini pedals, big giant things, and then they're all stacking on top of each other. And you yeah, got to make sure you're not. It's weird. Like the, the sacrament of pedal board rebuilds, it's mm. sometimes it's like a wonderful process and other times like, 
I just want to quickly get a chorus pedal in here. I don't want to spend the whole bloody day reprogramming the space shuttle. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I actually yeah. thought about adding uh, like a, a top tier onto this onto my board because I've got other pedals that I want to put in, but I can't. <laughs> it's like there's just no room. You should just give up and become one of those like ambient and drone creators that has like I've thought about a it. kitchen table that's a pedal board. I thought about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, you're, you're lucky you Not got sure that desk. Did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all about. If you're not running five reverbs, I'm not into it. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and if you are running five reverbs, then good I for know you. The exact yes. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Casper? What have you been up to this week? Music-wise, not much, man. Um, a lot of other life stuff going on. Um, a little bit of playing guitar down here. A um, little bit of messing around with the, the p- pedal thing that I'm trying to learn about, but not a lot. Um, I bought a car. You did. So that's been, that's been a, you know, it's only been a few, four to five days since, four days since we recorded last. So my, a lot of my time has been de- devoted to hunting for a new car. You were, you were literally getting that car on Friday when we were, last yeah. time we recorded. Yeah. And uh, it just happened. It was like a whirlwind, man. I wasn't even really planning on buying a car. Like you want to buy it i just wanted to get my get my bearings of what's on the market and it was perfect for my needs so bought it <laughs> it was uh sick good so now i have a, a a much much newer volkswagen diesel that uh is gonna serve me very well for the years it's, to come it's really pristine white with tinted black windows and fancy rims it looks like a weed dealer car. I like it. <laughs> well, it's not a weed dealer car. Um, I, I don't do that. So, um, well, who, why, why would you? We live in Canada. It's legal. Yeah, you don't need to deal it anymore. You just go down to the store. <sighs> that boggles my mind. Oh, you know, it's, 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 it's on a totally side note here. I, I was like, I work in retail and I had a customer come in and it, it was a young family and, they were, and I, I was standing at the front of my store and it's quite a big footprint, you know, you know, 15 or 20,000 square feet. And I felt like I was getting high standing at the front of the store. <laughs> so well, the, people these people right. were moving around the place. It was like, <laughs> and they were as far away from me as they could be. And I could, it was just like this heavy fog. I was like, Oh mm. man, I can remember Did you hear deep purple when, start playing <laughs> yeah, when I was young, man. <laughs> when I was young, if you walked into a store smelling like that, the clerk would call the cops and you would get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, just crazy. This crazy new weird time we're in now. It's like, well, I'm, I'm stoked. To, I'm stoked you got a new car, man. You, you deserved it. I'm going to miss Iron Man, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, your car was called Iron Man. Well, well Al called it Iron Man. I called it Iron Man because it, it oh. had this like metallic red hatchback. It's kind of like a But the hatch maroon. had been replaced with. I replaced a, it with one, that was, one that was less rusty. Yeah. <laughs> So it was red and gold, so it looked kind of like Iron Man, I thought. I don't know. No, that's very sweet. Well, from the back, if yeah, the gold hatch, because like, it was a, it was a uh, uh, station wagon, like a Jetta station wagon, and from the back, yeah. it did look like, you know, Tony Stark's face yeah. when he's in the, in the mask. <laughs> the Iron Man. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it, but didn't like the name. Lovely. <laughs> oh. It wasn't. It wasn't one of those cars that gets like a sexy name, you know. No, the name I actually gave it was the Jitter because it's a Jetta, but it like it's a diesel, so it just kind of like sits there and shakes, kind of like one of the. You know, you guys ever seen the movie Cars? Yeah. You know, the Rusties guys, they're always they're only like shaking, all the rust's falling off of them while they're talking. That's that was that car. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's fire into it, man. Yeah. Let's you know, it. let's let's do this podcast thing. 
Do you want to do a podcast, John? Yeah. Okay. Seeing some here. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I gotta, I gotta, I need to be totally honest. Uh, I don't really read online blogs. Um, Mm -hmm. so I haven't really read any of yours. (laughs) I feel really bad about that, but I want to justify myself a little bit because we kind of scheduled this interview on very short notice. And normally I would do at least a modicum of like research, some kind of research (laughs) into our guests. But I I didn't really have time because, uh, like 28 hours ago, I don't think we had this scheduled. So I'm sorry, but that's okay. I do know everything that's on there. So you can ask me whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. But so give us the rundown of, of what heavy repping is and, and what inspired you to start it. Okay. Well, the long and short of it is, uh, heavy repping is a, uh, well, started out as just a blog, um, review channel, YouTube articles, uh, and so on about picks. And then as time went on, it became more of a community thing. And then most recently a shop, uh, I've done loads of interviews with people, uh, loads of tests, history stuff. I've tried to do vintage and modern picks, rather than just doing uh, just modern stuff. Uh, done uh, stuff about picks for other instruments other than the guitar because it's easy to forget that there are other instruments out there that use plectrums. It's just anything that you use to pick a string. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the whole guitars, idea... So. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, cut me... Bear with me. Bear I'm with so, me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you should imagine what well, it's like you, being on here if you're a bass player or a drummer. I just, I'm not kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why are you here? Um, yeah. Why are you the way? You uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. I guess it, it's one of the things. Like I, I started when I started playing guitar, which was like, ooh, uh, ninety five. Um, I always, I always liked the picks. Like it, it, I didn't think about it in a kind of serious way because when you're starting out, you don't. And in, in generally in guitar culture, it's not something that's talked about that much outside of your Brian Mace over sixpence and you know that sort of thing but um, when I was I worked in a lot of guitar shops and particularly the not the one I'm working in now but the one I worked in uh, before this um, I started getting into uh, I bought a, I bought some gravity picks and after I after those arrived I was like oh this really is a different experience I wonder what else is out there and then over the sort of next two two years or so, I I kind of spread my interest around a bit, and it was about that time I got into Instagram, and the pick community kind of lives on Instagram for the most part. So I started getting V picks and dragons hearts and that sort of stuff. And uh, when I was in New Zealand for a bit, I went there for a couple of months to see my good lady that I'm living with now, and um, I got some dragons hearts in the post. And I did a couple of wee videos for them, uh, on them for Instagram. And, you know, I was, it, it was, the account was totally fresh then. And a couple of people said, oh, that's quite cool that you're doing that. And I looked around and nobody was doing it. Nobody was interested in it. Hmm. And I thought, well, that can't be right. I mean, how many guitarists are there? How many guitarists, mandolin players, oud players, you know, shamisen players, whatever, are out there using picks in the hundreds of thousands and nobody's talking about this that seems a bit crazy so i i did a bit more reading into it and then 
I got talking to people in the scene, like uh, Brock at BHL and um, Chris over at Dragon and, you know, people like that and started connecting with people in the community. And then the more heavy, the bigger heavy repping got, the more it became like a kind of place for makers to talk to each other. And then the community kind of came out of that. Yeah. I, so the whole point. I know, really want to say, man, like really admire the, the community you've fostered and helped grow and, and uh, kind of led the charge on, on connecting because uh, our, our whole kind of mission at the show here is like, we, we want to connect the guitar community every possible, which way we can and help grow it. And, uh, you know, so when you kind of came into our, our radar, it was it was really impressive to see what you'd done just in the Plectrum community um, and how well you've uh, connected it and represented it and stuff. And, um, you know, when you opened the shop uh, earlier this week, right, has it been over a week? It's been over a week. Yes, it was a week. It will actually be a week in, it'll be a week in seven minutes. <laughs> when you opened, so there you go. When you opened the shop <laughs> nigh on exactly a week ago, <laughs> um, the video that that we saw uh, going up around on Instagram of of just various uh, makers thanking you and just just so proud of you and so stoked to be a part of your your thing, like that's that's really cool, man. Like you've yeah, that really, was. Uh... Really created a movement. Well, I have to. I've got to say, first of all, thank you very much because that's very kind of you. Um, but I, it was a weird thing. I I actually gone in. Uh, I work at Manson's Guitars here in the UK, and um, I had gone in to work to do an actual shift because I've been on furlough for, you know, feels like forever now. But I I hadn't been in the shop to do a shift for a while. And I went in to do a shift and uh, take some photos and that. And one of the boys that works on our internet side phoned uh, to speak to the boss about something because it was just the two of us in. And he says, listen, have you seen the video that's up on Instagram? And I said, no, because, you know, you're doing stuff and taking photographs and whatever. And then I only kind of, <laughs> the internet works not very good, so I'd only, I only heard it. And I didn't see it until it had already been up for a few hours. And it was really like, I had no idea that that was, that the boys had done that. So that was a really, it's, it's one of the things when you're, when you're dealing with uh, a product uh, or a group of products in a community where it's not something that people take with the best will in the world. And I'm fully aware of this, that a lot of people don't take especially seriously. Um, and to have, to have the people that create that product get together on, on their own and do that because they appreciate that you're celebrating the thing that they do, that made me think, well, it's been three years of work doing this and it didn't start out this way, but now it's like this and I can't, I can't pretend that that's not there. So there's no, there's no imposter syndrome with that, which is an easy thing to, uh, an easy thing to come across in our, in our game. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But I, sure. I can't I can't deny that that's I can't deny that it's there. It's there. So, yeah. It's uh it's been cool to see people come together um just because of something that we're all into. They're from all over the world, all different backgrounds, all different techniques, all different mediums. Um wood and plastic and steel and and all all kinds of crazy stuff. Um and that's 
it's it's wicked. I'm not I'm not going to pretend it's not. You know, if you're not into your own band, why are you doing it? Well, man, I, imposter syndrome is a funny thing, and yeah, it's funny you brought that up. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I I go through it in a few ways. I think in my life, the first is like, as as a touring artist and stuff, just like I'm always. I always feel like I, like somebody's going to catch on that I don't know what the heck I'm doing any <laughs> second now. Somebody's going to know I'm fake. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I do, even with the show, you know, the show, like every time we record, I feel like I have to overcome a certain level of like mm. feeling like I'm faking it and not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I feel exactly the same way now. You know, we, uh, we kind of started our project on a whim sort of, and we're still just making it up as we go. So, yeah, but I, <laughs> I have to remind myself, like a big part of what we started with the show is just that like, we wanted to learn and do something that we enjoyed. And, and so it's hard to fake that. Yeah. Even though my insides mm-hmm. are telling me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I think it's part of, um, not to get all super heavy with you guys or nothing, but it's part of our. It, oh. I've always I always believed that very very few, if any, people get into the music game because they're okay. And there's an enormous amount of the self that goes into making music, whether it's whether it's original or covers, because you only cover the stuff that you're you want to do. You know, even if you're in the most cynical wedding band ever, you still you still want to play <laughs> stuff that. You know, you're not going to go out there every night going, oh. Well, do I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I spent. <laughs> no, I've done years, my share of weddings. Don't, I spent don't a couple of years in a top 40 cover band, and, and almost everything we played was stuff that I hated playing. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody hadn't been waving bundles of cash in my face, I don't think I would have tolerated it. No, that's, that's that is, you know, there's, all, there's always exceptions that prove the rule, I suppose. <laughs> but I think, I think it's a general thing. Like, it's very common amongst our kind to get very kind of, you know, no matter how much bluster there is and how much push there is out front, it's uh, it's something that everybody's conscious of. But at the same time, I think the wonderful thing about it is that if you, especially when you're when you're in guitar shops, or whatever, the knowledge that you have uh, about you know what tubes do I put in this or what what should my pedal chain be and what what are the best kind of kind of patch cables I can get my hands on, that doesn't mean anything outside of that context. It's not going to help you if you're trying to you know, fix a car or work in a carpet warehouse, but in, inside that, inside that community, that all that stuff really means something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you get your, if you want to learn stuff and I don't mean you, I mean the universal you, but like if people want to learn stuff, then I think there's a, there's a sort of ethos around a lot of stuff in the music community where it's kind of like, if you don't know, if you don't know about something, then ooh, that's terrible, and all the rest of it. And you should know because everybody should automatically know everything. But that's that's just not the case. And it's interesting because I I had a valuable lesson uh, in this very thing that we're talking about, and it's in the imposter thing and and self confidence and all that as a musician. When I worked in a shop in London down Denmark Street, and a lad that I played with was a jazz guy, like jazz sort of player. <laughs> um, and he he could his uh i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying his name's bob um he's a dutch guy huge guy like six 
I think he was like six eight, like really big tall lad. But he um he's a ripping ripping jazz guitarist and uh, like real George Benson Pat Metheny sort of job. And we sat down to jam together. And uh, when he played backing and I played over the top, I had no idea what to do over that because I'm not a jazz player, right? At mm. all. But then when I played backing and he was playing over the top, he was like, I don't know how to, how do I play over this? Like, I don't get where you're coming from with the chords because I use a lot of like open chords and Eastern stuff and, and all that sort of thing. And it was kind of like, that doesn't mean that either of us is incompetent. We're just very, we're fluent in different styles. Yeah. Mm, and that yep. was a big eye-opening thing for me. It was kind of like, so you don't have to be, because there are very few guitarists out there that are truly like straight up masters of everything. Like everything, everything, because everything is a big word. Let's not forget. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it, it took me, uh, I'm totally jumping in here. I'm sorry. It took me a long time to get comfortable with people saying I was good at guitar and, and, and complimenting my guitaring skills. Because I think of myself as a really, really basic crap guitarist. And when it comes down to it, what, what I do have is a particular set of skills that allow me to do a certain <laughs> field of things. Yeah. It sounds like I'm <laughs> giving Liam Neeson speech for guitarists here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so in, in, in a view that I wasn't willing to, to take for myself, I am a great guitarist. And they were seeing that because they were seeing you know, I, they're not inside my own head. They're, they're not caught up in my own, <laughs> yeah. my own self-esteem trip. They're just seeing what I'm doing and liking it. And they're, they're responding to that. And I'm busy caught up in all my own self-esteem mind games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, you can be amazing and not be a wizard at everything. Right. And that's a weird oh, thing for, to, sure. for people to sometimes get used to. And especially if like, you're an artist who's prone to uh, perfection syndrome, where if it, you can't do it perfectly, mm -hmm. you're just like, you don't want to do it at all. <laughs> I well, find myself in that rabbit like, hole quite a lot, actually. I, like, I find myself doing that quite a bit. Yeah. Going, ah, oh, no, I'm just not getting it, so I don't do it. And I'll go do something else. You know, that's a slippery slope. But you find yourself, when you, when you do go and go back to something that you couldn't do, I find it's easier the second time. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's always it's always worth remembering like um especially especially when it comes to guitar I would say because there's so much whether whether we admit it or not there's a lot of focus on good being fast and you've been able to rip up the board and when I when I was growing up um in especially in the in the sort of mid 90s all my the people that I knew that were into guitar they were all in the Maiden and Priest and uh, Michelangelo Basio and it was all about shred, shred, shred and I was never that sort of player and n not even because I couldn't do it, I just didn't the other guy in my band that I played in he was the he was the fast guy so I always played rhythm and I really liked playing rhythm and as I got older and I, I played with more people, I played a lot of bass in bands and I found that when I was playing bass, if I, if I was playing as little as, like, if you're playing what the song needs, it's more contributory. And this is, this is no, there's no elitism thing, no gatekeeping here. It's just, you know, if you're sitting down and you're playing 
if all you need to go is and that's all you need to do to make the song work that's all you need to put in but just finding yourself in those places is the important bit yeah it took, so i tried to think of it it can take a while um, for, to oh sorry i'm i'm gonna shut up i mean <laughs> i get so into what you're saying it's like i have so many thoughts i need to interrupt you <laughs> that's because they disappear no, no, so quickly <laughs> no I, I know the feeling but all, all i will all i will say on this topic is, is on, on this particular topic is this that i think of it like if you look at people who inspire other guitarists it's easy to look at somebody like and again no shade here but i'm talking about like a, a guy like andy james who's a ridiculous guitar player like scorching scorching guitarist or tommy emmanuel or johnny highland or any of these guys um and somebody's gonna or petrucci is a good example. A lot of guys go mad for Petrucci and you know his chops and Dream Theater and and all the rest of it. But somebody else out there is listening to Bob Log III or Greg Ginn or um like C Six Steve or Jack White or something and being like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that just because just because one guy can't do what another guy does. Like I can't imagine. I can't imagine Greg Ginn and Tommy Emmanuel having a shred off. Do you know what I mean? But it yeah. doesn't mean that those it doesn't mean that either of those players is more valid than the other. I can't imagine Tommy Emmanuel playing in Black Flag. He could play it. <laughs> he, yeah, he, but he, he can't play, play. he wouldn't play it. He wouldn't make it sound like his guitar is both yeah. on fire and dying at the same time because he's not that sort of guy. You it know? took you know, it took me a long time to accept that that uh, not shredding did not mean not being a great guitarist. So it's mm. kind of going back to what I said just a few minutes ago, but because I've never mm. been a shredder either. I've never, I can't, I can't play, you know, 187 BPM solos, you know, just ripping along. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. I, I, I can't, it's just not my way. But I can play really complex reggae skanks or, you know, I can hold down anything you want darn near to a metronome very well for mm-hmm. a very long period of time. And that has value. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I ran into oh, something sure, similar please. too because some of the guitarists, you know, when I I haven't been playing guitar for that long as as most of our listeners know, you know, maybe ten years just about. Um, but what it came to for me it was like some of my some of the guys that I know locally that I kind of got into these jam circles and like hanging out and like going to these parties and stuff for the sake of music was I look up to them. It's like man, like those guys can really play, and they're just you know they're just a regular musicians they're not they're not steve Vai. they're not these crazy players they're just good they're just solid players they're solid at what they do and when it came to i wrote a song with a friend of mine and i play mostly kind of you know finger style type of rhythms and and kind of celtic time like i like odd stuff like that so i wrote this song with a friend of mine and recorded it and showed it to them and they were blown away they're like i they're like we can't i can't play that like, I can't do what you just did. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're, you're you, you can do this. And they're like, no, <laughs> like that's something completely different <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to play. Cause I generally, I, I haven't, uh, for most of, of my guitar playing time played with a pick. I've been mostly fingerstyle. So picks are a new thing for me and I'm actually digging it a lot, but that was a, it was a really well, crazy thing to have these guys that I look up to that play guitar. That. 
you know yeah, what I'm talking know. to today? <laughs> <laughs> you love picks. You live picks. That's what you say. No. <laughs> so it's it's funny that, that so much to, rage. In, I, 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 <laughs> this is what I have to deal with all the time, man. Say something, Gil. <laughs> He'll forget about it. <laughs> A couple minutes. <laughs> I have memory nothing trouble. What? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, it's it's funny that that can happen and you don't even realize that you've progressed yeah. to a point where you're you know you are a good player and to have somebody tell you go oh yeah 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 whatever okay sure well if, yeah. if you ever want an opportunity um regardless of how long you've been playing if you ever want an opportunity to go whoo i really have come a long way even the dis- irrespective of what you're doing Go and listen to the recordings of yourself, your first band, or when you first started out. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. And it's like I, I've listened to that stuff back when I was like recording uh, the very first proper band I was in when I was like sixteen, and I was playing rhythm guitar and singing. And if I listen back to that now, it's like <laughs> it's it's a weird thing. Like it, I, I had a well, funnily enough, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a Michael who built my website um a very old friend of mine we played in a lot of bands together and he's a he's a pianist he's not a guitarist but he was saying that um it's one of the things like if you we were talking about that the the writing mentality and this is the other end of what we're talking about but like if you i'm a much better player now than i was five years ago um, consciously, I tried to learn more things. I tried to play in other tunings and develop and become more comfortable with my own style rather than worrying about what I couldn't do. And he's done the same thing. He's gone back and like tried to learn uh, jazz on the piano, which is something he never really did. And you get to this weird place where now that I know more stuff and can do more stuff, I find certain things harder to do. Like I find myself less satisfied with what I come up with because I think, well, if I know all this stuff, why can't I do something that's blowing my mind? And it's because you forget how far you've come in that time. Mm. So you almost kind of yearn for that. Like I remember learning, (laughs) it's a weird thing. I remember learning stuff when I was like 17, 18. And I was like, I can play this now. Oh my God. You know, and I don't get that as much because I'm more capable and can therefore play the things I'm listening to. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I went back and when the lockdown started, uh, in order to get that feeling again, I started playing the drums. And I've got an electronic kit at home and I got to experience that again of going, oh man, I've just done that. That's amazing. You know, and it's because guitar is such a gradual creep of you getting incrementally better every day you kind of forget what it's like to make a big leap forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then it, but somebody from the outside, like you're saying with your, uh, with your finger style stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of guys can't do that because they don't grow up playing that style of music. Yep. You know? So if you give it to somebody who's, somebody who's there giving it the, giving it the Malmsteen treatment and say, right, you're really ripping guitar, man. Do you want to play some flamenco? <laughs> yeah. And they just look at you blankly because that's a whole other. It doesn't mean they yeah. doesn't mean they can't do you know neoclassical Locrian work. It's they, but they can't do this other thing that you've spent you know even if you spent five years playing flamenco stuff, 
trying to get a thing, trying to take a fingerstyle player and get him to play flamenco, even though it's still a hand technique, it's a completely different hand technique. So we never have that perspective on our own playing. Well, and that's also like, that's also what provides so much joy in the, it's, it's the endless pursuit. You, you're never going to master all of it. Mm. Like it's why guitar stays interesting. I've had a friend and I'm not going to name him cause it, it's, I don't think it was a young man's like early 20 man. He, when we were early, we were in our early twenties and he said this, it's a young man's thing to say. And it's a stupid thing to say. And I don't think he would say it now, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I distinctly remember my friend being like, I, I can sweep our, I can sweep pick. I can shred solo. I've mastered guitar. I like what else is there for me to learn? And I was like, nothing. Cause you, you've you, already <laughs> put a cap on it, dude. Like, yeah. uh, what's it like at the top of Everest? You're yeah. not going to learn anything more. Cause your mind isn't open to it. Yeah. And, uh, mm. yeah, you know, for <laughs> a lot of years he did not change or improve or it was the same thing. And, uh, it's been a good number of years since I've uh, talked to this fellow. I'm sure he's a different guy now, but <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> The, the the real the real joy with guitar if if you're well, anything like me at all is the fact that it, it always keeps going there's there's no end to the mm. road it there's this isn't a this isn't a journey with an end destination this is just a journey no. <laughs> you just you're just walking until you drop dead and that's that's fine that's yeah, all it yeah. needs to be um well to, it's it's sorry go on. I was just gonna say you know I I every once in a while I revisit the earliest recordings of me out there and and hear the original music I made with <laughs> the the first real recordings I made with a, a, a band that did it. it wasn't my first band but it was the first available recordings I can listen to and uh it's not that bad like it's 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 not that great but <laughs> but when I listen back to it I don't critique like oh we sucked so bad what I critique is like man that poor daft young fellow had no self-esteem and no confidence yeah. and that's what I hear lacking in the music the songs, yeah, you know, they're they're fine songs for the type of music they were trying to be at the time they were trying to be it. What was lacking was just any confidence. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just oh, hear this sure. like this lack of like oomph in the vocals or like Yeah. <laughs> no, and uh Steph and I went through just recently, actually it's funny this is a topic we're on because um just maybe a little more than a week ago, um, found some old files on a hard drive and started kind of going through them of you know, song development things. I used to video parts and, 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 and like riffs or little segments of songs that I was writing. So I, and looking back on them, it's like, oh, I don't do that anything like that anymore. But I found a video, the very first YouTube video I ever posted years ago of a cover song I did. And I was sitting in my bedroom with my, my, like a hoodie on, my hood pulled up over my head. I was completely hiding from, from everything. (laughs) And it was just, it was ridiculous to see like now, I mean, I could get on a stage and and play all of that, and it's no big deal. Like it's not the big deal that it was to have my camera on in front of me. And I remember recording that video like forty times because I just you know <laughs> I I mess something yeah, up, and yeah. the confidence just you know it, over oh, probably over the course of two or three days of like sitting down for an hour and trying to do it because it was just it was just devastating to have the camera on me. It's yeah. You know? I, oh man, I oh it's crazy to look it's a hard. to look. To look back on it now, yeah. and it's funny that they were talking about it because we I just I just did this. <laughs> it, was, it was neat to see the you know that video, and then a video I did a couple years later of the same song, 
just completely different person, you know, I different, completely different player. It was just mm. neat to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, let's, let's, let's like, let's not mess about here. Everybody that's listening to this. Hello. If you are listening to the, <laughs> if you're listening to at least fourth wall break, but um, if you're listening to the podcast, chances are you're probably a musician. And on top of that, you're probably a guitar player. There's nothing that's being said here that you won't have experienced. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that's worth remembering because we don't remember that enough. Very that's true. the shared thing, regardless of whatever style you're in. Look at this guy. These are, yeah. these are the shared thing. You know? Look at this guy. Awesome. Who'd have bet money that the guy who's enthusiastic about picks, freaking picks, yeah. would come on and be the deepest philosopher we've had on the show yet? I love it. <laughs> I do. Well, it's, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, boys. Straight up, no messing. The biggest part of this, to come to, to use the words of your fellow, your fellow countryman, Lance Storm, if I may be serious for a moment, uh, this, this whole thing, this pick thing, the reason why it became such a thing for me is because when I started getting into it, I've always liked these little extra things. I've never actually been as excited as I get about gear. Uh, I've never been like, you know, I'm going to walk through fire for that guitar sort of thing because I like stuff that does what I tell it to do, which is why I use the the instruments that I do. Um, but with the pick thing, and I know this is very personal, but it fundamentally changed how I interacted with the instrument. Like, and I, I cannot stress how completely. And that was why when I started getting picks from people like uh, Crow's Customs and Zen and, and all the other boys that are on the site, Pigtrum and Rombo and everything, each one of those tools let me, it made me look forward to playing the guitar again because I found... It, it's like changing your drive pedals out. It makes if you play a certain way when you're playing with drive, and then you switch to like some spattery '60s style gated fuzz, or like if somebody put if some if you're it doesn't matter what sort of player you are, if somebody sticks you in a metal zone, you're gonna pinch, you're gonna chug on it because it makes you play a certain way, right? And <laughs> I found with I found with this stuff, it was exactly the same. And it, it, what it instilled in me, especially the deeper I got into it, it instilled in me an ability to feel more confident in every note I played. And it's worth noting at this stage that although I, although I played in a lot of bands, I've my whole thing has centred, especially the last fifteen years, my whole thing has centred around improvisation, and not improvisation in a free jazz way. Although I've kind of done, I've done a lot of noise and stuff, but like. I'd done gigs where, quite a lot of gigs, where I'd gone up and played on my own without singing with no material. And hmm. that is, that is the best, it's the best, it's the most really on paper, the scariest thing you, you can do in a way. I uh, wholly endorse that. <laughs> yeah. If anybody out but, there listening has ever been to one of my shows, I make up at least one or two songs every single show. Mm-hmm. And it's, I have a blast with that. I, I don't, I don't know why it's a little terrifying. Sometimes it's a train wreck. It's because, <laughs> the, well, that's, that is the joy and the joy and shame of improv. But the beauty of it is that if you, we all like, I've been playing for 25 years. I should know what I'm doing. Right. 
but in the sense, you know, in myself, I should have the confidence to know that I know that. But it's only when I really got into improv uh, and stepping out on stage, and I made a rule for myself um, when I was playing as Blacktron One, which is my the stuff that I do by myself. I made a rule when I was gigging in London that every gig I booked, I would alternate. So I do, I do a gig with written stuff that was all written stuff, and then the next gig I would I wouldn't have any songs, and I just do everything, loops, no loops, noise, whatever that night and that was the rule so every gig it would go back and forth and i would change my pedal board on the day and not test it <laughs> just because okay. i didn't roll that's a bold one because, I like it. <laughs> well because the thing is if you if you get used to using the same kit right then and i again i wouldn't recommend this approach to people necessarily but <laughs> i found that i found that chucking myself in the deep end and still being able to carry the gig off made me believe in myself as a player and as a person. I totally get and what you're saying. I, I really do. The, and I, I don't think it's a bad approach, but it's a it's a gutsy one. Yeah. I, I've just it's, it scares me, man. Because <laughs> I've had I've had so many gigs with where I've had pedal board issues and, and it's just like then the whole gig becomes like doing my job, because that what that's been my job is touring. So mm-hmm. like trying to get through my job. While also like stressing the entire show about the stupid pedal board messing up, that's that 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 becomes the show is me like dealing with pedal board issues while trying to also entertain people, you know, entertain people, yeah, and not let them know that I'm dealing with pedal board issues. (laughs) It can be it it can be really alarming in a way, um, because you do we do rely irrespective of the sort of player you are, even if you are. If you're a gig and acoustic player and you're going, maybe you're going into like, maybe going into like a, uh, what's it called? Like a fishman um, stomp thing or going straight, even if you're going straight at the desk, you're always at the, you're always at the mercy of that sort of thing going wrong. But that will never go away. It doesn't matter how, you know, your cable could go, you could drop something, you could bang into oh, something. Yeah, I've I... like take, <laughs> taking my headstock off amps, like have my guitar stuck in the ceiling at gigs. I do have like, one question for you, if I can interrupt you one time. Please. You're asking this time? I'm asking. <laughs> what is a headstock for an amp? A headstock <laughs> for an amp? Yeah, you were like, oh, you're breaking headstocks off fuse. amps, and I was like, yeah, well, my amps don't have headstocks, but I'm... <laughs> it was a bad joke. Blue in a fuse. I was interrupting people <laughs> with a bad joke. Um, it obviously flopped. I'm sorry. No, you committed to it. I admire that. L- listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can feel the crickets from all of our listeners. I have crickets. No, don't hit the stupid. <laughs> oh, man. Have you, got, have you guys got a sound, like a, yeah. it seems like a fairly a, elaborate soundboard. Okay, we use a thing called a Rodecaster Pro, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a dedicated podcasting mixer. And it's got eight sound pads on it. And it comes preloaded with a bunch of <laughs> yeah, you know so, laugh tracks and clap tracks. And so all he's kind got of stuff. these these sound pads that are preloaded with crickets and. The know, worst part is I would actually have to like <laughs> hunt the cricket one down because I don't know which one yeah. it is. <laughs> and I don't think we're set up. There's a lot of car horns those. before you get to the crickets. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So and we would have to set it up so that at the moment because it's not set up to do this. It's set up to play the audio in our ears, but it wouldn't record on the track. Yeah, I just don't have the track arm. So Casper could hit this thing and just be annoying the bejesus out of us with these canned sound effects, and our listeners will never, ever hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to record them afterward. Yeah, it would just, you know, 
Just, just avoid the sound. Okay. Please. <sighs> nice. <laughs> but it's fun to threaten, and you got to see the look on Al's face every time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the thing. I just Listen, have to lift my hand, and I he does really this. I really want to use a couple of sound. I want a, I just want one a one button pad here on, on my desk. No. That all it does is the, the swearing. Beat, no. Just so I can swear <laughs> and beat myself while I do it. That's all I want. I, okay. And, nice. you know, fingers crossed someday I'll have that vision. <laughs> all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle it. Okay. Listen, uh, we're, we're, I did, there's one thing I really want to ask before we get back into the deep philosophical stuff, which I am thoroughly enjoying. And me too. I just don't want sure. to forget to ask this. So this is a real like left field departure here. But where does the name heavy repping come from? Uh, it's from <laughs> it's uh it's from the movie The Warriors. So if you oh ever if you've gosh. ever seen the movie, I've so seen the Warriors, when yeah. the when the boys are saying because I I I grew up. Um, like most people my age, I would assume, playing things like the PS2 and everything. And there was a game of the Warriors on the PS2. That was really good. And too. the Xbox, it was actually, really and well Ma- yeah, because it's using uses the the engine from Manhunt because it's a Rockstar game, and it had the the part. I love the parlance in it because it came out. I think the film came out in what seventy nine, so it's the tail end of of that of that era. Yeah, and it, some it of the came out, it some came of the out at just the right time that uh yeah. that all of New York basically looked like the purge. Yeah. So it was like <laughs> it, you could just film on the street and everything just had this like really gritty look to it because New York was just trashed. Exactly. And I I always loved I loved the 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 feel of that and I like the feel of that especially the game as well. Um, but they were always talking about, oh, these guys, you know, the Saracens got a real heavy rep, and um, it just became, it became something that I that I used to say at, at, at work all the time, you know, like, oh, you're heavy repping, you're using that pedal, whatever. And then when I was when I went to New Zealand, heavy repping was originally a radio show that I did. Um, I done, I still got a radio show here in the UK called The Way of Things, um, but the origin it was originally called Heavy Repping, and then. I just like the idea of I like the idea of representing the people that were making the picks. So that is what it is. Okay. Rep hard, I, rep I like that. I wasn't. <laughs> I like it. I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but I I'm I dig it. <laughs> hey, you know, okay. This Can is, you dig it, suckers? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of video games based on movies that deliver just with a, mwah, have you played Alien Isolation? No, I I have not. Uh, well, okay, so I know of it, but I've never played it. Uh, it's been it's been like a long running joke in the game industry that any move any video game based on the Aliens franchise is you know usually terrible crap. <laughs> Looking at you, Space Marines. Um, I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that no, oh, that game was bad, <laughs> so bad. Anyway, it, so Alien Isolation is like it took it just took everything possible from the first alien movie where it was a straight up like horror thriller and not the like shoot 'em up action fest that the movies kind of became after that. Yeah. Um and it's 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 that you play as like Ripley's daughter and you have to like solve solve your way of getting off this space station that uh has been overrun by the the xenomorph alien. 
Um, and it turns out there's like two or three on the station and, and a lot of people joke that it's closet simulator uh, or, uh, <laughs> something like that. Cause you spend a lot of the game hiding in stuff while the aliens trying to hunt you <laughs> down. And it, it's, it sounds insane, but it's absolutely pant pooping, terrifying. <laughs> it's so well done. <laughs> like <laughs> the browning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is so good. Like, I, I had friends recommend the game to me, and I was like, "Whatever." I've listen. I've seen Space Marines. Okay, this is not whatever. Final player, stupid game, Jared. And <laughs> played the game, and you get so invested in it because it's so well done. Everything's seventy sci-fi tech. You use a tape recorder to save your progress, and oh, nice. Like, phones have ha- like cords and stuff. It's it's, what? it's perfect seventy sci-fi in space. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and but then you, because you're so in, into it and so invested in it, it just it scares the poop right out of you, man. It's it's the brown train coming out. It's so good. <laughs> Alien isolation. Can't recommend it enough. All right. Back to the guitar stuff. Yes. Oh, man. <sighs> just saying if you you know, if you like Did you like Alien? The first one? Uh, I yeah. liked Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was I'm not a big, more of I'm not that, a big horror guy, but yeah. you know. I'm not a big horror guy either. But I think the um, the story told and the emotional investment in that movie is a lot higher than any of the mm. ones after it. So yes, that's, absolutely. That, that's, that's why what I liked game it. Is. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I can't recommend that game enough, man. <laughs> I I don't like scary stuff. So I'm just gonna be like, I <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm, I'm I'll trust you. you. There are times when I like was playing that game. Or I would hit mute. <laughs> just, nope. just, just so I couldn't hear and couldn't be like jump scared as easily. <laughs> it's terrible. It's it's so good though. Okay. Anyway, something something guitar. Um, pick stuff. I want actually want to ask you about a thing I saw on your Instagram. It's a whiz sure. down here. You have a certificate of authenticity. Yeah. A mammoth tusk pick. Is that yes? It? Yeah, man. You never heard mammoth tusk picks? Before? I'm not messing yeah. about. No, I I haven't. Oh, man, yeah. I play okay. with my fingers. So <laughs> I I know I know. But mammoth tusk, you can get mammoth tusk almost anything. They're not that uncommon, actually. That's crazy. So the the chat with this is uh, it's one of the boys that's on the site, Rens Hendricks. Thank you all, Rens. He's a Dutch guy. Um, and Rens is actually everybody in the everybody in the game kind of comes from different backgrounds. Rens is a blacksmith. Oh, like, cool. That's what he does for a living. Uh, restores yeah. like old tools and and all that sort of thing. And he. He had a guy who runs a um, he runs a, a a shop dealing in antiques and stuff, and he managed to get hold of a, a slab of mammoth ivory. So he made a limited run of picks out of it. Um, they're done in the Jazz XL style, which is my personal favorite shape, okay, um, or at least my fa- my favorite derivative anyway. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really really good because I my the signature pick I use, which is the Zwart. Uh, JTDXL is made from bone and I love the natural material thing uh, there's there's more and more people using natural materials and picks which I think is great but the, the mammoth ivory thing is is it's a wicked experience to play, there's so much power it's just incredible and there, there's a real balance because all, all picks have depending on the materials um the materials and the bevels and the tips and the density of that material and the thickness of that piece 
they all have a different EQ. So it's like a it's like an EQ before you get to the strings, basically. Uh, oh, yeah. So the the ivory stuff has it's a re- it's really well balanced. It's got loads of push, but it's not hyper aggressive. So it's quite a nice uh, like I I personally really like it. It's a little bit more forceful than bone, uh, so it's difficult to get subtle sounds out of it. But then, you know, you use what you need for what you're trying to do. Yeah, that's just kind of shocked me. I'm like, damn it! There's, like, there's got to be some kind of regulatory thing around that. Well, the reason the reason why there's so much of it is because of because, <laughs> and it's a it's an odd situation, but um, because of the situation with uh, there being a bit, you know a bit of a higher temperature on the go at the moment. A lot of the permafrost uh, out in Siberia is receding. And because it's receding, this stuff's poking out the ground and then people are going and harvesting it. And, you know, it's been sat there, I think, 50, 50, 10, 10 to 50,000 years. That stuff's been sitting in there. Wow. Uh, and now it's picks. So, yeah, you know, it's I, you tough know, it's- as hell. It's really crazy to me because, like, and it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a geography thing, right? Where those creatures lived was all these regions that are now pretty cold. Mm -hmm. They died, and 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 the tusks became fossilized. They sit; they're pretty well preserved in the permafrost, and they're not that uncommon. People find them and dig them up, and you're allowed to sell them because it's not like an elephant, where if you're You're having to shoot something, yeah, you're killing an endangered species. It's uh the the species is no longer in danger. Yeah, yeah. The danger yeah. one. <laughs> That's, that is certainly one way of putting. That. <laughs> you guys are at risk. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, no, there are there's there's guys doing mammoth molar as well. Um, like Dragon Picks recently did a run of mammoth molar, uh, which is just huge mammoth teeth. Yeah, and it's 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 weird. It to looks think about amazing. Cause like, you know, it is a finite resource when you think about it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> there's not going to be more mammoths. We're not, so we are going to run out of mammoth tusk eventually. But at the no, moment, that's very yeah. true. But these, I mean, the good thing with the good thing with a lot of natural materials, and this is something I do want to, uh, I do want to mention. Um, one of the things with this, with these sorts of picks, with uh, thicker materials, even plastics like U glass and uh, galliliths and things like that. Compared to your off the peg thing, and I don't have, I must stress, and I think it's a very important thing to to put emphasis on here. I don't, I'm I'm not a snob with this. I think that the pick, that whatever pick you use is the right thing for you. I genuinely, fundamentally believe that. Same way with guitars, there's no right and wrong with that. It's just whatever works for the person. Um, but on a physical level, materials like uh, kerenite, galleth, bone. Uh, some horn like de- like deer antler and that sort of stuff. Um, those picks will last years rather than weeks. So when you get a pick of that nature, um, even if we put steel and all that to one side, but when you get a pick made of bone uh, or a pick made of uh, tagua, for example, at vegetable ivory, you'll be playing that for months at a time. Yeah, that one yeah. pick. Whereas if yeah. you get something like a jazz three. Um, you can, I mean, guys can tear through a jazz three in a gig and it's just a circle at the end. Um, so it's, you know, it's all, I think all these things are relative because it, 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 it tends to come back to things like money 
And um, there's something to be said for when you're, you know, a Jazz 3 from Dunlop. It's a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Listen, you the, pay the, like the, 70 cents for one of those versus, you know, a substantial amount of money for a hand-carved mammoth tusk. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're going to keep better track of the mammoth tusk one. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Let me tell you, like in the last, I've got, I think the last time I counted, I think I was up to about, oh, I think I was about two and a half thousand picks deep um which is a wow. lot yeah. um that's not a just lot to... in vintage terms by the way just to put this in perspective the vintage guys go it's a completely different thing those guys are in like the tens of thousands that's a whole other that's a whole world of, man of... that's that's a that's beyond just what yeah those use that's collecting that's yeah those boys go hard man like I, i've never <laughs> I've interviewed quite a few of them. Um, I would I would like to give, if I may, a little shout out to Joe Macy, Guy DeVilles, and um, Brian Bouchard, uh, and Jeff White uh, of the Vintage Community, because they are guys that I learned, especially Joe, I learned an insane amount about vintage picks from them. And uh, those guys will go to conventions and they'll buy like, you know, they'll buy like, you know, five or 600 picks. So they're, because they're buying, it's mostly old celluloid. Um, which isn't mm. anywhere near as costly as buying modern stuff, although some of it can be. It depends on the scarcity. And we're not talking about, like, this pick was held by Bonamassa or Stevie Ray Vaughan or something. We're just talking about production-level um, celluloid hammer die cut picks. Um, those have their own intrinsic value, whereas celebrity stuff is a whole other ball game, like tour picks or, you know, right. limited runs or graphic stuff or whatever. That's a whole other... They're almost like little pockets of different types of collectors inside the community uh so it's you know that is a whole other thing in and of itself but you know the moderns <laughs> the modern stuff does it's like any it's like any scene i mean there's some somebody's sitting there right now on on ebay desperate to buy some collectible from a video game that has no intrinsic value outside of the scene in which it in which it lies and this is kind of if you're going to be a collector collector this that's kind of the same thing. I'm a, yeah. I I look at this as a working collection, so I want to be able to go in and use the stuff I have. Because it's like saying, "Look at my fancy screwdriver." I'm not going to use. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's, Casper and I were just talking about just before we started recording the show. Like, it's it's kind of, it's an unspoken rule or an unwritten law, if you want, if you will, that like in every aspect of the guitar community there's somebody who's fanatical and and just yeah. wholly dedicated passionate to that thing even up mm-hmm. to and including yeah. fanaticism about <laughs> any one aspect and that's how you get like a jason lawler making pickups or uh uh a, a jack from jacato making yeah. picks or you, you get these these people that yeah. are just they just get really into one thing and they're into the the culture as a whole. They're into being a guitarist, but they they narrowed that love extra hard on mm-hmm. picks or collecting picks or, or collecting vintage picks or, or pick guards or yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah or anything. It's it, it, and there's so many aspects to the, the the culture of guitar that people you know some people really do narrow their focus down on any number of it, and it's it's just interesting to see. Um, as we delve and learn more about the, you know, the, the community of guitar as an umbrella and how many different facets there are and how deeply mm. some people go into those facets, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think I used to work with a lad who collected, um, 
he collected those, you know, those kind of floral looking 70s style woven straps. <laughs> yeah. He was, that yeah. was, that was his thing. He was like, as soon as a guitar, like if we got a guitar on a PX and it came in with an old, especially we did a lot of like 60s and 70s stuff, like old, um, we did some, like a, the boss was really into like old silver tones and Ks and all that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. some of them would come on with, orig- they'd come in with original straps on them or they'd come in with straps from the 60s. Um, and that was that was his thing. You get like some old uh, silver tone, like an old Jupiter or something like that, out of the case, and you'd be like, "Oh, look at that strap, man! That's unbelievable!" You know, never mind, <laughs> never mind the guitar or whatever. But, um, but I've always I've always found that sort of stuff kind of admirable. And um, it's those, those are the when those are the passionate you know, brains that uh, keep the history of it alive. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, archivists, otherwise we'd lose archivists it, you know? of any kind yeah. are. They're important because they document how, even if they even if they're doing it casually, they document the progress of something and the origins of it and where it came from and 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 all that sort of thing. I think that's it's really important. Totally, totally, yeah. We like imagine, you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to imagine. I think for a lot of people now, but like to put it. Oh, here's here's an easy context. Fifteen years ago or 20 years ago, not, not that long ago in guitar history, no one really had a broad view of basic effects pedal history. Mm-hmm. And now we've got YouTube and the internet, and we've got Josh from JHS educating everybody every week, several times a week. Yeah, several times a week, yeah. On the history of every nerdy, detailed aspect of pedal stuff that most of us don't even care about, but he's... He's given it to us anyway. The guy's given us a, an effects pedal musical for the love of goodness. Like, that's passion and nerdism on a, yeah. on a level. Like, you know, like, and he's, is, it's, I'll bet any money that that stupid pedal musical, and I say stupid just in like, in awe, not in, yeah. it's just, I'm not literally meaning it's stupid. No, you're not being dismissive. Let's, let's be, yeah. let's um, be clear about that. Yeah. But I'll, but I'll bet money that that pedal musical has an accidental level of history about pedals that beats most people's working knowledge. Absolutely. On that mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And it, take, it takes somebody to, irrespective of what it is that they're showing an interest in, uh, and I, you know, I think it's something that I've come, I've come up, not come up against, but I've come across quite a lot in the pit game, which is that it's, uh, it, it's not seen as, and I, I don't know if you guys had the same experience coming up um, as I did uh, in terms of sh- showing, if I can, if I put it bluntly, showing interest in things that it's not, a lot of people have the kind of shoot first, ask questions later approach to a lot of stuff like, oh, I'm just going to wade in and I don't need to know anything. And I think it takes somebody, it takes somebody saying, no, I'm interested in this. And I'm going to share with you that I'm interested in this, irrespective of your feelings on it. And they put their flag in the ground. And people, stump, people start coming out of the wood and saying, well, do you know what? I'm interested in that as well. And all of a sudden, because somebody's put their hand up and said that they care about it, it's not weird anymore. Yeah. And other people want to talk about it. And, and hence heavy rapping was born. <laughs> yeah, man. Straight up, like it's the the pick has got to. If I may stand on my, I'm sitting down, but if I may stand on my soapbox for a second, uh, 
the picks always got to because it's because it's been in shops forever and i had this experience myself because the picks been in shops forever for you know 50p or you know a dollar for a pick or or whatever everybody's used to that and everybody's used to the ubiquity of dunlop and if you're in japan like pick boy and you know things like that or clayton and it's all because it's seen as such a it's just a thing you know it's just a pick it's seen as a bit of a an unimportant or disposable item and you've always got to fight for a little bit a bit like pedals used to be back in the 90s where people were like oh you got a fancy pedal of you oh you got a clone on your board of you you know that sort of thing when everyone was used <laughs> to using boss and plugging straight into a trace elliot and you know not using anything <laughs> else um the picks got to fight for validation all the time yeah, yeah, and I, I see this on I see this on YouTube when I'm doing research into you know I go and watch other people's pick videos and see what they're talking about and all the rest of it like anybody who's interested in something would, and I'm always surprised by the number of people who in order to engage the audience, uh, in in order to engage the audience in some respect feel that they've got to come at it from an angle, whereby they say I watched one the other day where the guy was like, my pick costs fifty dollars. Are you serious? That's the wrong attitude to take, man. Mm. Well, you know, back in the day, you got whatever strings came on the stupid guitar. Mm-hmm. And when you broke one or decided you needed to change them, you went to the shop and they sold you a pack of those exact same strings. Yeah. And then along came a dude who had a idea about being able to do lots of different things with strings. And... And, you know, that was lauded. Wait, I'm using the wrong word. <laughs> Lampooned? <laughs> well, it was... Lambasted? It was lambasted. That's the... That, thank you. <laughs> it's a service, don't worry. Fender and Gibson basically laughed him out the door. And now that, that same brand, Ernie Ball, is an empire. Mm-hmm. And there are yeah. literally thousands of people who specialize in nothing but strings. Yeah. At every level. You can get a $200 set of strings. Can I say something? I actually just bought my very first set of Ernie Ball strings. Really? Yeah, the other day. Really? I've got to be honest. I'm not a big fan of Ernie Ball's brand. I just... It's the strings I'm gonna, anyway. I'm going to try them out. I, they I just, just never feel, use them. They don't feel nice to me. I don't know why. Anyway, that's... They can, it, there. it depends on... You're, you're absolutely right in what you say, and it is on two counts. First of all, they can feel a little dry. Um, yeah, but also that, they do, they do off, it depends what you're used to playing, but, um, I, I, maybe it's a I hand, really admire like, the fact that they, they started doing not, not that long ago. Cause some companies had done them like GHS, I think had done the David Gilmore set that were like nine and a halves. Um, and Ernie Ball decided, you know what, let's go ham full send. We're going to do half gauges on everything. So you could get like nine and a halves, ten and a halves. You know, and doing these weird in between gauges because it's like you say, like back in the, it's the old Tony Iommi thing, isn't it? Like back in the day, he'd had the the famous finger accident, and then he was having to use these gauges, and he's oh, the strings are so heavy and they're killing my hands, so he had to take a banjo set and take one of the strings at the banjo set, and then use the A as the E string and you know everything else to get a light enough gauge so we could physically play it. Yeah. And now, I, I, in, you know, now like, you walk into a shop and it's 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 just it's infinite almost. It's a wall. It's, it's a wall. It's, yeah, it's literally yeah, a wall of strings. And and like, can you imagine not having that now? 
Can you like look uh. like one of the first things I did in my early twenties when I when I started changing what tuning I was playing in was completely change. Like I came up with my own custom. Well, I thought I was coming up with my own custom string gauge. <laughs> Turns out they were available in packs. <laughs> uh, like it's 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 such a huge step for players to to find those string gauges that are comfortable for them. Mm. Just getting back to to my discomfort with earning ball thing. Um, <laughs> there's there, like I don't want really I don't want anybody pushing to for think that I'm endorsement. Ha- <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't want to lose those precious ad dollars. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I just think there's something to be said for like everybody's individual hand, like your your chemistry, your body chemistry, and you know I've got friends that they play guitar for an hour and those strings are dead, and uh, I can play many 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 times and not wear out a set of strings and so it's it could be just like my 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 hand oils just don't like ernie ball i'm gonna get your t-shirt made well you know i (laughs) (laughs) or it could be that i'm eternally the hipster and i just have to have my fancy 27 dollar packs there is something to be said for for a good set of coated strings though I, I like the coated stuff myself. I like the it's, way they it's feel. Very, I like the way they sound. I like the way they last. Mm. It's a tough. It's a tough gig, right, on the coated front, because on yeah. one hand, I think for acoustic, particularly, um, especially if you're playing fingerstyle, where there's a lot more coming, you know, there's a lot more coming off your hands, like oil wise and sweat wise and everything. Mm-hmm. I think for acoustics, they're unbelievable. Um, See, because I, they I'm, do uh, they do go on. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not. Put my hands up. I think they do go on a little dark, but I, they stay. I think but they stay at that level. Harmonics and overtones, and that's it's acoustics in particular. I don't like them on. Yeah. Mm. I had a well, long chat with a, a finger cell acoustic player named Don Ross about this too. Like he and I were both just like, "Yes, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> just because, like, a lot of and and you know, there's the opposite end, like yourself, John. Uh, a lot of people, or Casper, uh, a lot of people who swear by them, especially for acoustics, because, yeah, they go on dark, but as they get older, unlike most strings, they brighten because the coating starts wearing off. And so it's, and a, it's a, a tough gig, and, yeah. yeah, in a way, because I just I don't speak like changing strings of, every three weeks. Well, <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what I was going to say. A lot of guys yeah. that I speak to, we take, we, you know, not everybody has, and I, you know, for a time I would have counted myself in this, not everybody has the, the correct approach of looking after their gear and i have working in shops and i'm sure you guys have seen this as well but like i've seen i've seen people bring guitars in to shops that i think how is that still working like how is (laughs) yeah how you know and (laughs) coated strings coated strings for those people those people who don't like changing strings are a blessing because you know they can they shouldn't keep them on longer but if they're going to do it no matter how much you implore them not to, uh, then at least they'll sound okay. I personally don't like... I played Elixirs for a long time um, on electric because I'm predominantly an electric player. And then I switched to... A couple of years ago, I switched to Daddario um, XLs, like the NY XLs. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I didn't think it was going to be that. I tried... I, I had a set... I had a custom set for my baritone from... Uh, not from a baritone, my C standard guitar, and they were from Stringjoy, and I really liked those. Uh, they were very cool, lovely company as well. 
Um, and then through the shop, I got to try a set of NYXLs. And I'd been kind of on the fence of it before because I'd, I'd played coated stuff for so long. But then I had to switch them out for a set of uh, 11 to 49 OptiWebs recently. And the G, I'm sorry, Elixir, if you're listening, but the G, <laughs> the G string sounded like it was wrapped in a sock. And this that, is straight. Is, this is straight is out of the packet. Straight out of the packet. That I can, I, I can vouch for the G. Definitely yeah. sounds. The G's, the G's always muffled. guff, and yeah. it's, it's, it's actually, it's worse with the nanowebs because the nanowebs have a heavier coating than the OptiWeb stuff does. Um, but you know, some people really like. It. There's a guy I work with who plays like, uh, plays a lot of kind of that jazz funk fusion sort of thing plays a 335 and um he's he's all about he's all about the nano webs just won't touch that's what, the that's what i've always played is, is nano webs you know? yeah and the, the reason behind it for me is they do like say they do go on a little darker but they they don't sound dead and i don't pick up like i've got like we all have a few guitars so i'm i'm not always playing my acoustic and yeah. I find a set of just like plain whatever Diodarios or whatever hanging on the wall. By the next time I go to get it and play it, I'm like, I don't like the sound of this anymore. Because, I, mm. you know, it's, it's picked up enough oxidation that it doesn't sound right to me anymore. It's like, mm. well, dang it. You know, and I'll end up spending, you know, as much on those strings as I do on elixirs in the time frame that I have a set of elixirs on my, on my guitar. You're lazy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, let's let's just let's just cut to the let's just cut to the chase. You're lazy, man. That's what you're saying. It's okay. You just tell you know, everybody I, you're lazy. It's like talking about working in shops. You reminded me of uh, there was this dude that came into the shop I worked at, and uh, he was he he gotten a little bit lost in being the traveling busker lifestyle. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm. But but he was the guy that like. He wasn't booking himself ever at a, in a venue or anything like that. He was hitchhiking from town to town or riding a boxcar or something like that. <laughs> like this, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was living a very unique lifestyle. And uh, his guitar went with him, and that's how he uh, hopefully earned enough money to eat. Um, but he had never, and I mean never, changed his strings. <gasps> he, kept the strings he kept the strings alive. By like the wound strings had several places where they were tied using the winding oh, itself. Oh, <laughs> no. come on. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. It was a it was a it was an acoustic box no, of I, nightmares. I believe yeah. you, but that doesn't make it any better. Do you know what I mean? I saw a guy like I saw the mate of mine who's a tech in uh, down in London still shout outs to stairway to Kevin. Big up, big up to Kev down in London. <laughs> Um, he's a Canadian lad as well, but he, uh, gross. He had, he had, it's horrible, isn't it? He had a guy come in and the guy was like, yeah, I'm having a, I'm having, ch-. well, actually a couple of seeing as, seeing as we're on the air, a couple of horror, I can tell these stories now cause it's been a long time, but, um, we had a guy come in who had soldered his strings to the pegs. What? <laughs> and when we said, <laughs> We, you know that sort of instead of laughing it was more like a disbelief thing like this is this is a thing you've done and the guy was like yeah and he said well what happens when you what happens when you change them and he says oh, I just sold them back on 
as if that was the most natural course of action. But we did. Um, <laughs> we had a we had a Screw base turn your up. Proper string wrapping. Screw huh? your proper. Yeah, I don't need locking tuners. Look at these, man. These are locked right tight. But he had um, we had a we had a Dan Armstrong plexiglass. Uh, oh, base. No. Um, oh no! This is this is this is. I love this fab. Um, Dan Strong, uh, Dan Armstrong plexiglass base came in. Uh, the, one of the clear ones, not the smoky one. And everyone in the shop happens to something cool. It's oh yeah. Everyone in the shop was like, "I'm sorry, sir. If you'll just excuse me, we all need to go and check this thing out." So it, you know, it came out the it came out the case, and everybody's you know running around it, going, "Ha oh, ha! Oh, look at that!" And the neck. Man alive, I've seen some stuff in my time. Like, but the the neck was like, it. You could see the curve in it from across the street. It was just complete. It obviously been tuned up oh, way no. too tight, and then just left. And when we tried to adjust the truss rod, it just span round in the socket. It was completely oh. gone. But no, there's a good. There's a. I promise. There's a happy ending to this story. But the the. We took it apart to do to try and to try and service it in some some manner, and the bridge, you know, they they had the wee um like Dan Electro style, uh, like plate with a little bit of wood on the top. Yes, and that sir, was yeah, yeah. that was being held up underneath by a folded knife, <laughs> like a, a completely oh, a completely like rusted shut brown folded knife, and it took I think it took the guys four. Is it four years? Four years of of treating the neck and putting a new rod in it and stri- and heat clamping it and to straighten it out. It took four years to get that guitar back, that bass back in working order. We and they put it. This is after I left London. They put it on the shop floor and it sold in like an hour and a half. Somebody yeah, came yeah. Said, oh, you got one of those <laughs> out the door. Like never even. But it it had had like the. I mean, I've seen some. I've seen some rough kit, but that was. That's that was that's that was pretty res- up there. That's guys restoring something for the love of it, because there's no way there was enough money in the. Yeah, oh no! Flexi no, not the <laughs> not the amount of time, not the amount of time. And uh, we had we that's... had a <laughs> we had a as 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 a parting as a parting story for this this particular thing. We had a three uh, sixty four three thirty came in, mm. um, which is now owned by my good mate Kevin. So you know it works out okay. But he, that uh, this, that is that is. That kind of vies for top spot in my ultimate dream guitars mm. list. That or a mid sixties casino, because oh, yeah. it's the same thing. But oh, just but the it, best. It, yeah, it came in and it had it was it had originally been right handed. The key word there is originally, oh, and it no. had been I'm, it had been flipped oh. to left, so they drilled the top, and then it had been put oh, back no. to right handed again, and they'd filled the holes in with rubber stoppers. And then, as a way of stopping it feeding back, they'd filled it with loft insulation. Well, <laughs> so it meant it meant that in order to get it working, uh, I think that guitar it went to a, a, a lady called Celine, who's a unbelievable, like ridiculously high level um, luthier, not a tech, a luthier. Who would make you know? She get like a block of ebony, no CNC, and cut everything by hand. You know that sort of thing. And she she oh. basically rebuilt it. The pickups, all of the electronics were shot, like everything was broken. Um, oh. But the neck was okay. That's and good. Kev was like, "I'm doing this. I don't care how long it takes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get this guitar back in working order." And it it took shout out it took to the, those people. 
Yeah. Oh hell yeah, man! Like five years of work it took to get that guitar back in in working order, and now it works, yeah. and it's 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 an incredible thing. You can feel everything it's been through, and I would never that's, take it out. But then it's also that, got yeah. well, there's no value <laughs> left in it anymore. Like so yeah. much work's been done to Ra- it. You know? Raise a glass to people who are like giving giving those old birds the respect they deserve, man. Cause, For sure, that's that's oh. an art in itself, man. Rest proper restoration is like witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I don't want to say the dark arts, but it is definitely a magician, magical, yeah, uh, skill set. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, I feel a little bit bad about this. We seem to have gone down a million roads and talked very little about everything you do, and we're kind of we're well, we're overtime as per usual yeah. <laughs> on this show. <laughs> um, but uh, where do people best find you? Where's uh, where can we send them? If you go to, uh, it's heavy repping on everything. So we're on, uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, Anchor FM. Uh, I've got my own podcast called uh, Welcome to the Plectroverse. And that is where I interview makers, um, mostly makers and uh, other people that are interested in picks or collectors and what have you. Uh, the shop is up at heavyrepping.com slash shop. Um, there are uh, 12 makers on there just now and some of my own merch and there we will have another uh, I think we've got another 8 or 9 coming next month um, everything from injection moulded stuff to uh, handcrafted like no power tools cut bone uh, really impressive woodwork ga- uh, like every every material under the sun like and I I really can't stress enough if you are in a country in the world there is somebody in that country making picks um <laughs> i've had people from like uh the roster just now we've got the us scotland uh my great friend nads who's here in exeter shout out to arcane and Blectra. um bhl in hong kong uh liam at cross customs uh up up country here dave dave picks uh up in edinburgh uh, chris at dragon in arizona uh Duncan at Zen, Renz Hendricks, Northern Ghost, Pigtram and Rumbo. These, uh, they're in, uh, they're in Germany. Uh, Northern Ghost is in Canada. Uh, you know, and everybody's from all over, and they really are doing some amazing work. But I must stress, very important. Everybody knows this. Um, handcrafted picks doesn't mean that they're going to cost you a million pounds. Uh, the picks are anywhere from like a couple of dollars up to like guitars from a couple of dollars up to whatever you want to check at it. Um, and the harder material you go, the longer you're going to have that pick. So I've been playing my, the prototype of my signature model, which is made by Zwart Plectrums in Italy. Thank you, uh, Emanuele, for your kind work. Um, they're made from cowbone, and I've been playing the prototype model every single day since uh, November. And it's only it's it's starting to it's starting to bevel more, but it's got months and months and months left in it. So, you know, I think it's important. Don't All be right. afraid to take well, a risk on it, man. You know, we'll let uh, we'll let people get in there and get into your your site and into your blogs and and get learning and get checking out and 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 uh, we we encourage you to. Like this is this is a whole world. This is a whole thing that can change your life, change the way you play guitar. Everything like for we, a lot of people, this is the interface between <laughs> you and 
yeah. your guitar. This and, is a and, huge thing. So and yep. just you know the little baggie of Dunlop Tortex picks, sure they do a job, but I think there's a whole new a whole other world to to experiment and yeah. to and to try and to to feel that's you know even if you only sample it a little bit one time like it's like going to a five-star restaurant like get out there and try the new experience yeah well so, I, all i will um, say to you is a, as a parting thing if i may um imagine just to quote the to quote the great will hoover who wrote the book picks quite literally wrote the only the only book on it um try and imagine what music would be like without it Right. Just take just take the pick out of popular culture. Yeah. No. It's it's crazy. It's, so it's Eddie Van Halen know, with no guitar picks would suck. Yeah. Most people with no guitar picks, no thumb. That's no thumb picks. That's no rashi for the oud. That's no yeah. you know anything. So it's change change your playing and get to know yourself more. Yeah. That's what I'd advise. Well, well, John, um, can't thank you enough, man, for coming on the show and for being a part of our little family. Um. It was really awesome. I, 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 this is one of the nicer episodes I think I've, I've enjoyed just for the, uh, I don't know, just for the change in direction and topics that we went through and, and just, it was a real, real treat, real treat to have you on, man. Well, pleasure indeed, boys. I really appreciate it. And thanks, thanks for having me on the air. Definitely, definitely a pleasure here as well. Uh, and yeah, lovely listeners. We'll see you next week. Yeah.